0: have your bibles along i'm going to be reading from the gospel according to john chapter 8 31 through 36 your pew bible it's page 890 890 john chapter 8 excuse me john 8:31 jesus said to the people who believed in him You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a part, a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. God, add his blessing to the word today to our, to our hearts and our reading. Freedom, freedom, true freedom. It's interesting that today, that's July 4th, and I want to ask the children, what is so significant about July 4th, aside from fireworks? Bethany, what's so... It's independence or something? Yep. Anybody else? Yes. California. It's Independence Day. What independence from what? From England's rule, up until that day, July Fourth, seventeen seventy-six. I always thought that that's when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Did you know it wasn't signed until August the 2nd? But it was the day that the the 13 colonies, I believe, ratified the Declaration of Independence. They said, we are no longer under the rule of England. We are going to be our own nation, our own country. It happened on July 4th, 1776. Signed by 12 of the 13 colonies on August the 2nd. And then ensued the battle for independence. And praise God, we have, have that. Um, we have be, since then been a nation under her own rule. Um, yeah, it was quite an experiment, this nation of ours. And nothing like it before. I'm not sure there's been anything like it since. And God's hand was certainly in it with the forefather. If you read anything of the history of of the battle for independence, um, just some of the things that that happen are unexplainable apart from the hand of God. Um, I think it's right for us to remember, to reflect upon the declaration of independence, freedom that we have. And we might argue today that freedom... Uh, is, uh, yeah, in, been kind of struggling, especially with the last year, um, things that have happened in our nation, even in, in our neighboring nation in Canada. If you follow anything in the news, you know that when it comes to religious freedom, our freedom to worship the God of our choosing, we're losing that freedom more and more. Uh, it's the government who's telling us what we can and can't do and where we can do that. Um. But we still, I still am thankful that I am an American and enjoy what I do in this country. You know that there's something inside every person that wants to be free, that wants to to exercise their own independence. I read an interesting story. At the University of Oklahoma, for many years, a project was underway to teach a 15-year-old female chimpanzee named Washu, to talk by combining sign language with simple recognition. Since 1966, this chimpanzee learned 140 signs. Finally, the project directors decided that Washu was was prepared to conceptualize. This meant that instead of merely imitating some human words, the chimp would express thoughts of her own. Now understand, Washu was a pampered animal in the university's laboratory, well-fed, physically comfortable, comfortable, safe from harm. She had security, and yet, when she was able to put words together on on her own into a phrase, these were the first three words she uh, put together, and she repeated them again and again, these same three words, and they were, let me out. She wanted freedom, even though she had everything in that laboratory that she could enjoy. She wanted to be free. I think that's what resonates in the heart of all of us. We desire to be free. So what is true freedom? I see some principles that Jesus talked about with the Jews in John chapter 8 about what true freedom really means. And sadly, these Jews didn't understand it. They, they believed they were free. and Yet Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. You're not really free if you're in bondage to sin. And what did Jesus mean by that? We all sin, right? There's none perfect. But it's different between sinning unintentionally than being a slave to sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 and 18 say, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. You and I had no choice that that we were born sinners. But since we have come to the age of accountability where we can determine right from wrong, we have a choice and we are now responsible for the choice that you and I make. When Jesus said to them about being in bondage to sin, these Jews were indignant to what he said. We have never been slaves to anyone, was their response to Jesus. How quickly they had forgotten that they were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Or that they were slaves in Babylon for 70 years. Even then, while he was there speaking, they forgotten that Roman was, Rome was ruling over them. They were slaves to Rome. They misunderstood what Jesus meant. The truth is, the Jews in Jesus' day and everyone in our day is a slave to one of two despots two ruling authorities. We're either a slave to sin, which leads to death, or we're a slave to righteousness, which leads to life. Again, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. The Jews, where Jesus was talking to, believed that because they were descendants, ancestors of Abraham, who was a friend of God, they were free. They were banking on their ancestry, their genealogy, because they could trace their roots back to Abraham. I think sometimes, sadly, many of us in this land believe we're free because somehow we're Americans. and We don't realize that we are in bondage. And the bondage is growing even greater and stronger in our time. I believe what Jesus was talking about to the Jews in this chapter. And would say to us that freedom, true freedom, has nothing to do with your political connections, with your ancestry. Even with your social uh, connections or even your genealogy. But true spiritual freedom comes from without some other source that brings spiritual freedom, true freedom. What are those principles that I just want to point out to you in John chapter eight? Well, he talks about a disciple, those who had believed in him. And he said, discipleship begins by believing in Jesus. It said here in verse 30 and 31 of John chapter eight, that many who heard him say these things believed in him. They believed that what who he was and what he was saying must be true. Uh, That word believing is also found in John chapter 20 and verse 8, where Peter and John go running to the tomb. It says, John arrived first. He outran Peter, but he waited outside. And Peter come up and and went right into the tomb and looked at the clothing laying there and and how it was left. And then, then it says, John came in too and saw and believed. Same word. Um, even though he didn't understand, it says that the scriptures talked about him rising from the dead. They didn't know it all, but, but John believed, just like these Jews believed in Jesus. They were convinced, I believe, by the Holy Spirit who was working in them to give them understanding that they believed enough to know that he was who he said he was. They were witnesses to the, to the signs and wonders, the miracles that Jesus did and knew that this just couldn't come from anything. It had to be, it had to have its source in God. And so discipleship, a follower, a learner, a pupil is what the word means. An adherent begins by believing in Jesus. But there's so much more than that. We can't just stop there. If we really want to be a disciple, if we want to grow and and no, Jesus said there's more involved in that to the Jews. He said in verse 31, Jesus said to those who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. The new King James says, "Is if you abide in my word. Well, what does that mean? To know his word, to abide. It, well, it means to remain, to stay connected, to continue in his word. Um, that's where we begin to get a deeper understanding of who God is through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, William Barclay, in his commentary, says, "To abide, to remain, in the words of Christ is to. It involves constant listening. In other words, when we come to believe Jesus is who He said He was, and we we accept that by faith." That's just the beginning of our transition, our transformation into um, holy, holiness and holy living. Uh, I looked up the word listening again just to remind myself, even though my wife has told me time and again what the definition of listening is from her perspective. Uh, listening is to, uh, to be attentive, trying to understand what is said. It's not just hearing what is said, but trying to understand what is said. That's a part of remaining in God's word. You Bible students know this definition well. You've read the scriptures a dozens of times throughout your studies and your life, and suddenly you come across a verse and it, oh, I don't remember that was there. Somehow it just makes a new sense, a new nuance to what that verse is describing or talking about, and you get a a deeper understanding, and it adds to your, value, to your life. Uh, so this constant learning, constant listening to the words of God. Uh, he also talks about it involves constant penetrating. Another word for penetrating is piercing. God's word continues to pierce our hearts and our minds, and it, and it changes us. Uh, I like what someone wrote about uh, penetrating. It says the relationship between truth and holiness is similar to that between light and vision. Light cannot create an eye or give a blind eye vision, but it is essential to seeing. Wherever light penetrates, it, di- it dissipates the darkness and brings everything into view. In a similar manner, truth cannot regenerate or impart spiritual life, but it is essential to the practice of holiness. Wherever truth penetrates, it dissipates error and reveals everything for what it really is. Um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 talks about um, this idea of God's word. It says in verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a a sharp two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are accountable. God's word is alive and it and it, it gets into us and it helps us to, to understand why we do the things that we do. It reveals who we really are. Uh, and I think that's a great um, definition of this Penetrating, powerful word of God. Jesus wanted his, these disciples to know his word. It is important for you and I today to understand God's word. I think about my life. Here I am in, in the second half, at least, of my, my days. Uh, <clears throat> and it's easy to get kind of settled into what I believe and what I think. And, I, and I'm not open to new ideas. Um, and yet that is, that is a recipe for disaster when it comes to God's word. If we're not open and we've made up our mind, as it were, uh, we're missing some of the rich treasures of God's word. Someone said there are two ways to study the Bible. You can study it with your mind made up, or you can study it to let it make up your mind. I believe that's what Jesus was telling these disciples, these new believers to him. They had grown up in Judaism. They were well aware of their tradition of the elders and, and the law of Moses. And that, that was what they, they were immersed in for generations. And, and now he's telling them to believe something new. And as they looked at the miracles and the, and the teachings that he gave, they were convinced that there's, this was something different. This must be of God. But it's hard to, to let go of the things of the past that we've held on to and that we understood we, we need to just continue, excuse me, to stay in his word and, and let it illuminate our understanding and help us to determine truth from error. Um, and that takes a lifetime to do. Uh, we need to let God's word make up our mind and not vice versa. And that means we need to stay in his word. Um, I found it interesting that... Um, Timothy, or not Paul, in his second letter to Timothy, when he was nearing the end of his life, asked Timothy to, to bring what he needed there in prison. And he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. And then verse 13, when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also, bring my books and especially my papers. Charles Spurgeon says this. Bring the books, especially the parchments. The Apostle Paul, during his final imprisonment. imprisonment. Can you imagine, Charles Spurgeon says, Paul has been to heaven. He wrote most of the New Testament. He has seen the Lord, and yet he wants books. I think there's a principle. There's a lesson there to be learned even for us, the value of learning to, to stay connected with God's word. We, have afraid, are comfortable where we are. We know God's word enough to be dangerous or enough to feel as though we understand it all. But i have looking at different illustrations from, from some fathers and, and Christians uh, in, in antiquity. They write how important it was that they can continue to read God's word and especially even biographies where God's people were moved through his word to do amazing things. Um, There was a book written back in the the early 1800s called The Royal Path of Life. It was written by two Chicagoans, but it became a popular best-selling book because it had some little little. Uh, quips and bits of wisdom about life. And these are four things in, in concerning reading and the importance of it. They say there are four classes of readers. The first is like the hourglass with their reading being like the sand. It runs in and runs out and leaves no vestige behind. A second is like a sponge which imbibes everything and returns to the same state, only a little dirtier. A third is like a jelly bag. Not sure what a jelly bag is, but, but allowing that all that is pure to pass away, retaining only the refuse and dregs. The fourth are like workers in diamond mines, who, casting aside all that is worthless, obtain only pure gems. Well, I can understand that. When we dig into God's word and we begin to, to mine the riches of his word Boy, we're ready to just lay aside those things that have no meaning. Paul said, I lay aside all those things behind. I count them as worthless for knowing Christ. The other thing they said was one's reading is usually fair index of his character. A man is known, it is said, by the company he keeps. It is equally true that a man's character may be to a greater extent ascertained by knowing what books he reads. You cannot afford to read a bad book, however good you are. You say the influence is insignificant. I tell you that a scratch of a pin has sometimes produced lockjaw. We think that sometimes, well, the things we look at really aren't going to leave a, a lasting effect. You know, we, we know what we believe. It's just entertainment. And these writers are saying, boy, be careful. Even a pinprick can lead to lockjaw, to blood poison if it's left unchecked. They say, they say inferior books are to be rejected in an age and time when we are courted by whole libraries and no man's life is long enough to compass even those which are good and great and famous. Why should we bow down at puddles? And then lastly, to read with profit. The books must be of a kind calculated to inform the mind, correct the head, and better the heart. These books should be read with attention and understood and remembered. And their precepts put in practice. It depends less on the number than quality. One good book, well understood and remembered, is of more use than to have a superficial knowledge of fifty equally sound. Um, boy, I just thought that was that was powerful wisdom and um, yeah, a, a, a suggestion to us about the importance of being well read and studied in Scripture. And then lastly, discipleship leads to true freedom. Uh, again, William Barclay. This true freedom through discipleship, through learning God's word, listening to his word, putting it into practice in our life, brings, gives us freedom from fear. The Bible says, perfect love casts out fear as we come to know who Jesus is. And I was so impressed last night uh, at our, our Saturday night worship, we had communion time at uh, the camp meeting, and some of you were there. And Rick Martin was sharing, and he had a a picture of the the Old Testament tabernacle, and went through the different spots as they came into the tabernacle toward the the Holy of Holies, the priests. and just the the connection between those different spots with with how Jesus fulfilled completely what the Old Testament tabernacle was all about. And it was, he painted just a beautiful picture of what Jesus meant and how we are welcome to come into the holiest of holies since Jesus died on the cross and that veil was rent. And he shared something that I hadn't read before, that it's believed that, that veil that was in front of the holiest of holies was, was four inches thick of, of this material that was woven together it is said, according to Rick, that two oxen could not rip it apart. And yet on the day that Jesus died, when the earthquake happened, that veil was rent from top to bottom by the power of God. And, it, and it, for the first time in all of their history, people, anyone could see into the holiest of holies the very presence of God, signifying a change that had happened from that point forward, anyone who wants can come to the, into the presence of God because of what Jesus did. It was just a powerful message, a, t- a great time as we as a, congr- a denomination shared communion together. It was, uh, it was just special, and I was really blessed by that. Um, but we don't have to fear whatever is happening in the world around us. We don't have to live in fear, do we? Yes, at times we become afraid of of things that we don't, are out of our control, or, or um, yeah, a diagnosis from the doctor, we, we it leaves us shaken. And yet, when we pause and stop and think, you know, we say, you know what? Our God is still in control and still on the throne, and He can be, He can be trusted. He knew these things were going to happen before we were aware of them. So let's just pause and not give the enemy any more. Um, power than he already has over our life and say, you know what, Lord, we trust you. No matter what, you are a good, good father. And you have proven yourself to us again and again. And so we don't need to be afraid. True freedom delivers us from fear. It also brings freedom to our, for our, from ourselves. Um, we don't have to be in bondage to, our, to the, the God that we make or choose. We can be free from our own um, old man, selfish desires. We can bring free, be free from other people. What they think of us or say about us doesn't need to phase us. We are free from that when we as a disciple of Jesus know what his word says, what his promises are to us, you and I. It also brings freedom from sin. Uh, when we know uh, Jesus Christ as he has made himself known, we can walk in, in victory and freedom from sin. That's what true freedom is and what it brings. It tells us all about the life of Christ, why he came, why he lived, how he, how he lived among us and how he ministered on those uh, years as he, as he walked the dusty roads. I'm, I'm encouraged when I think of, I believe it was the words of Philip, And when Jesus there in the upper room was giving them some last directions about what was going to happen and, and he's saying he was going away and Philip says, show us the father and that's sufficient. That'll be good enough for us. And he says, Philip, have I been with you so long and you still don't know if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I'm doing only those things that he does. Uh, So if you read the life of Christ in the Gospels and and through the epistles, we become intimately aware of who God the Father is. Um, And that brings great freedom and and comfort to our hearts when we understand what his life is about and his death, why he came to die. Um, That was his whole purpose. And he, even though it was so difficult, he asked If there be some other way, said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross. And then his resurrection. Boy, if we understand that, we understand the power over sin and the grave. Jesus fulfilled that. And if he died and rose again, we who are in him have died and risen again, according to scripture. And then, of course, his imminent return. We are longing, looking for. The day when he returns for us. So I ask you, <clears throat> are you free? Do you really know what freedom is? Oh, we we live in America. Of course we're free. We can do what we want. Can we? You can you go out of these walls and do whatever you want? Do you know that it's a it is a crime, even in a theater to 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 holler fire? You will be charged with a crime. Just By the words you say, in certain situations, we we are governed by laws. Uh, And those laws are continuing to increase. Every year, more and more and more laws are added to the books that are regulating our life. Are we free? Oh, I think in comparison to some in other nations, we are free. But I have to believe that there are some maybe even sitting here. That are less free than others who maybe even are in prison for their faith. We imagine that we are free because we can go out and, and make some decisions about life, but we've never encountered the living Christ, and, and hence we are not free. We are still bound in sin, and we are slaves to the taskmaster, the prince, and the power of the air. Um, there are only two choices. It's either to know Jesus Christ or still be in bondage to sin. And and, and true freedom begins. Yes, it begins with knowing Jesus and surrendering our life to him. But it's a continuing uh, thing. It's sanctification. It's growing deeper in in our knowledge and our understanding and our practice of who Jesus is and his words. Jesus said to these disciples here in John chapter eight, if you continue in my words, then you you are my disciples and you shall be free. And then he talks about the son. The son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Um, In those days they understood the idea of slaves. They had household servants. And yes, they may have eaten of the same meal that the rest of the family ate after they served them and cleaned up and all those things but they were never considered part of the family. And yet Jesus, who says, I am the son and a a permanent part of the family. If I make you free, you will be free indeed. Um, Powerful words to to the Jewish nation who was hearing him teach and preach. Powerful words to us in our time. And more than ever, we as believers need to immerse ourselves in his word and understand our freedom and and to get to know him even more and then there's the idea of not only knowing but obeying we are called not only to know his word but to obey his word i like an, uh, what what someone uh, said in a statement when a man was, is released from prison he is not free to do anything he feels like doing even though maybe at first thought, yeah, I'm free, finally I can do what I want to do. But he is free to obey the law. In the same way, when we are freed from sin by trusting in Christ, we are not given a license to sin, but rather are set free to obey him. That's a great analogy. That's what true freedom is. God has, through Jesus Christ bought our redemption, set us free not to be servants of of the slave master, Satan, but now we're free to obey him and to serve him. That, my friends, is true freedom. That, um, to me, means all in the world, to know that kind of freedom. And I trust you do as well. Um, I think it's right for us to remember um, those who said, you know what? We want to be free to worship the God we choose. And we have been for centuries. And even though things are changing rapidly, we still have that freedom. We have that choice to make. And I pray we make that choice to know Jesus and to know his word, to stay connected to his word, to immerse ourselves and and learn what it means um, so that we can know who he is and his desire to, to know us and to empower us to live with boldness in our world. Um, I pray that we do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for freedom. And I wonder, Lord, if I take it for granted so many times living in the nation in which I do, in which I have freedom to express myself, even to stand up and express um, my dis, my disagreement uh, with the, our government. In, in some countries, that would be punishable by death. And yet, when we have these things at our, uh, our disposal, uh, given to us um, because of our constitution, because of the laws of our land, I wonder, do we take it for granted? I think some of us had a wake-up call in the last year when... And suddenly uh, the government said, you can't, you can't do this, you can't do that. And we were suddenly aware um, that maybe we aren't as free as we think we are. And if we're basing our freedom on what the, what the politicians say, we're in trouble, Lord. But rather, just as these disciples who listen to your word, Lord Jesus, we wanna believe in you. And we do, we do believe in you, Lord. But there's so much more in knowing you than just believing. It's obeying your word. It's staying in your word, abiding, remaining, continuing in your word. And they're feeding our minds and our hearts and our convictions, our values on what you say is important and what the uh, heavens values are. We are called to be obedient to them first and foremost. And that comes in in contradiction to what our politicians, our government tells us we are supposed to do. Then Lord, just as the early disciples say, you have to decide whether we will obey you or, or God. May we choose you, Lord. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to know your word, to understand it, to dig deep into its richness and and its unsearchable truths so that we can take a stand and not be afraid to stand and not be um, even second guessing our own selves, Lord, but that we will know your word. Jesus, you said, if we know your word, the truth will set us free. Even though we have been declared free from sin, many of us are still in bondage to our old ways Lord, I remember reading about how they train elephants and and using ropes and and a strong, uh, secure anchor that they just can't break free from. And when that elephant finally gives up and surrenders, then all they need is a little stake. Just pound that into the ground and with that rope, that elephant just feels confined. He knows he's tried to break free and he can't, so he gives up. Lord, I wonder if us, many of us are like that as believers. We've been set free, but we still feel the, the tug of that old rope. And we just feel we're feel like we're still in bondage. But you have come to set us free. And if we know your word and what your word says about us who are in Christ Jesus, that truth will indeed set us free. And then regardless of what the government does to our physical freedoms in our spirits in our hearts we will always be free as we stand in your word and let your word rule our lives lord i believe it's so it's imperative it's important it's critical and we in this generation know your word we are inundated with scriptures lord and and commentaries and good Bible teaching and on uh, on YouTube and just wherever we turn, we can find it, Lord, at our disposal. And sometimes I wonder, Lord, if we use that as a substitute for getting into your word, for reading it for ourselves and allowing the Holy Spirit to just teach us as we, as we slow down, as we take time to think about phrases and words and look up the definition, what does they mean? How does that apply to this text? And what is the context of of the story that I'm reading? What's behind this all? I just believe, Lord, you you want to teach your children to know you, to walk in freedom. Your word says, Lord Jesus, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I thank you for that amazing truth, Lord Jesus. Help me to walk in that freedom, to not be afraid, to stand strong with conviction and boldness, as your disciples did when they were under tremendous persecution. Yet they prayed and they and they, they experienced your power at work in them. May that same power be at work in this church, O oh God, in the churches of our nation and our denomination and. May we stand strong in your power, Lord, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You do not change. Help us to know and to believe that, to stand in that with confidence. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, your word says that as any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Lord, when we accept Jesus Christ, we are made free by the Son of Man. And then begins the journey to holiness, to sanctification, to, to understand fully who we are, what we are intended to be in Christ Jesus. I pray father, as we leave this place and we celebrate our declaration of independence as a nation, that we would also celebrate our declaration of freedom from sin. And we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's one here or listening in that doesn't know that and can't say that, Holy Spirit, would you draw that person to you, to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might understand and they might believe, just like these Jews that Jesus was talking to. They might believe and they might come to know him through his word. Help us to do that, Father, to not become lax or, or slothful in our in our study to know who our God is. Lord, we need to be strong in our our understanding and and, uh, to be able to make a good defense to the world and ask us why in the world do you believe in this age of enlightenment and technological advancement? How can you still believe in God? I pray we would know what to say we would have studied to show ourselves approved. The workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Go with us, Lord, this day now and help us to live for you and to bring honor and glory to Jesus' name. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy the only wise God, our Savior alone. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever.